Welcome to Dreams and Bones, the podcast designed to help us all learn more about practicing the art of creative living. My name is Paul Roberts. And I'm his wife, Carol. And we are the creators of Grow Me a Story. Our website dedicated to the idea that everyone is creative. And inch by inch, row by row, we want to help you grow the creative dreams and bones in your life through conversation with other creatives. As your creativity cultivators, Carol and I are excited to bring you another guest here in 2022 to talk with us about the deep joy and meaning that comes from practicing the art of creative living. For the month of June, we traveled far from home. All the way to Meridian, Idaho. To interview someone close to home. My younger sister, Lori. Who is a singer, songwriter, and educator. Lori taught at Kellogg High School early in her career, but for more than a decade has taught advanced placement senior English at Timmerline High School in the Boise School District. Let's get started with episode one of our Dreams and Bones podcast interview with Lori Roberts. Well, uh, good to see you, sis. We are down here in Meridian in Lori's house with a different sound system, and we'll see how this sounds. It's going to be awesome. She's got a new Yeti microphone. Yeah, I do. Our podcast interview this month is is my little baby sister, Lori, and uh, Carol's going to get us started, so let's just break right into this. Carol, take it. Okay. Well, looking back at your childhood, elementary school, middle school age, are there things that you can point to that shape the creative person that you are today? Uh, I've thought about this a little bit since you guys were kind enough to send me the questions ahead of time. I I tell my students the story of being four or five years old and singing with my mom around the house. I particularly picture us being in the kitchen and Mm. her singing... Things like, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. That was a big one. Another one we sang that I don't know why, but we sang, nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina in the morning. But I remember being four or five years old and her saying to me, as you might say to a four-year-old, you keep singing that, I'm going to sing with you, but not quite the same thing. And then she would harmonize with me. Mm-hmm. And I remember being aware that she was impressed with my ability to sing. Oh. And I have the uh-huh. language for it now, of course, that she was impressed that I had the ability to sing the melody while she sang the harmony. And yeah. of course, I'm four. I don't know that that's a thing not everyone can do. And then it wasn't too long before she said, now switch. Mm. You sing what I was singing. So I remember harmonizing just by ear, not knowing what harmonizing even was right. with mom when I was four or five years old and knowing that it was really easy for me to do and hearing her tell people, oh. Lori can harmonize. And then, of course, around that same time, we're in church every Sunday. Right. My mom is up on stage playing the organ, but I'm sitting beside Grandma Martha. Yeah. Grandma Martha almost always harmonizes to the songs, and as a four or five year old, I figured out how to fit my harmony between her her part and the melody. 
so that we were singing three-part harmony with every song. Yeah. And, and then I just remember becoming aware in the first and second grade, I would teach songs to classmates so that I could harmonize with them. <laughs> so I was very fascinated with the concept of me being able to teach other kids to do that uh-huh. and that it wasn't a thing that they knew how to do. I think I was more aware of being able to harmonize than being aware at all that I had like the ability to sing or a so-called good voice. Uh-huh. I knew I had a good ear okay. long before I thought I should be singing in front of anyone. Hmm. And what did, what memories do you have of singing in front of anyone uh, besides mom? I didn't have any desire to sing in front of anyone. In fact, I remember in grade school having a very strong feeling of, um, it isn't like people came to our house and our parents had us sing. And if they did, I would have been very like, please stop doing that. So (laughs) I did not want to perform. Okay. Um, I say that. And then I remember in second grade having, there was a, there was a, an audition choir of Mm. fifth and sixth graders And the choir teacher found my friend and I singing on the playground or heard about us singing harmony on the playground. And she put us in a elementary school concert singing our harmony with the mini choir, the audition choir, backing us up. Oh, wow. And I remember (laughs) thinking this was a really big deal. Um, but I still didn't really think I was a singer, and I didn't want to sing at church in front of anybody. I just wanted to sing from the congregation. Uh-huh. In fact, when uh-huh. we moved to Kellogg, I was in sixth grade, and our cousin Di wanted me to sing with her in church. And I basically spent the next three or four years saying, please stop asking me to do that. I don't want to sing in front of anyone. Huh. Yesterday, I spent some time with mom and asked her some of these questions, and I did not know this. Uh, the boys used to sing. We have recordings of Kent, Kevin, and Paul, and it was Kent that put a stop to it. Oh. Uh, according to mom, it got to the place where he did not want to do that anymore. That feeling of, I'm not going to do that. It's cute. Yes. You know, Kent didn't want to be cute anymore. No, that's exactly what it was. Because when I did start singing duets with Die in Church, it was about ninth grade. And I remember feeling like we can do this now and people won't golf clap. This won't be Lori and Die being cute. Yeah. I wanted to be taken seriously. And... It's not that I wanted people to think we were amazing. I just didn't think I just didn't want them to think we were a novelty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And mom started you on piano lessons at what age? I was eight years old. So we started piano and my memory is we did piano for two years. Hmm. And after about two years, I think I think two things. Mom felt like she had taught me all she could, which is not true. Although, so much of what my mom does on the piano that's so beautiful is by instinct. And she does not, she did not know how to articulate what Mm. she does so naturally. So she wasn't teaching me how to play by ear or how to play a chord chart. She was teaching me out of traditional piano books. She felt like she had exhausted her knowledge. And perhaps she sort of had exhausted her traditional piano teacher knowledge. Yeah. 
it wasn't until years later when I learned to play chord charts that I realized how brilliantly my mom instinctively knows how to fill in and play mm. fluently. Mm. She did not exactly know how to teach me to do that, but she very much inspired me to do that. I mean, that's what I wanted is to be able to walk over to her piano and play the way my mom played. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about church choir? How old were you when you got the opportunity to be a part of the other than other than like Christmas programs mm -hmm. I was too young to be in the MGT choir okay. and so I was a little bummed when we moved because we moved to a much smaller church where there wasn't a choir okay. so I think church choir was I think you had to be at least junior high so it wasn't until I came back to the Boise area for college that I was regularly in the MGT church choir, which I really enjoyed. Okay. And clearly music was a big part of that, a big part of your creativity, but there are lots of facets to creativity, lots of directions mm -hmm. you could go. Uh, were there other things as a kid that you look back at now and say, oh, here was another avenue? Well, let me just say, I, I had no interest in and no talent for nor do I still have interest in or talent for what I would call any visual arts. Mm. I can't draw. Mm. I have poor handwriting. And I have no interest in improving either of those skills. <laughs> I don't enjoy them. Other people who can do those things well, that feels like magic. Mm. By the way, I put that in the same category as dance. I think oh. when I watch people who can dance, it feels like magic. Like it literally feels mm. like a supernatural thing. And, um, but the one other thing I did have an interest in from first grade on was writing. I remember, do you remember the kind of paper you had in elementary school where it had the two lines and in the middle yeah. had the dotted line? Yeah. I remember the teacher giving us that paper and giving us time to write stories. And I remember a particular day where I just kept writing and going up and getting another paper and writing. And I was writing story. I was writing fiction. Mm -hmm. And I have some stories from elementary and junior high school that mm. I wrote that I know I could find in a drawer right now. Huh. So I had an interest in writing. I didn't think I would be a writer until much later, mm -hmm. but I did enjoy writing. Mm -hmm. Are you starting or currently working on a creative project but don't know what to do next? Do you need someone to talk to? Someone who will give you feedback and tools to get your creativity back on track. This is what Gromia's story is all about. Paul and Carol Wolf-Roberts, your creativity cultivators, will help you start, continue, or complete creative projects, big or small. Visit www.gromiastory.com to learn how Paul and Carol can help. Now, back to Dreams and Bones. So our, our next question is about nature versus nurture. To what degree do you think we are born creative with certain gifts? To what degree are we a product of our surroundings, such as family, culture, education? Uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. It sounds like you feel like, oh, I, I have certain talents. I was born with certain gifts and others I just don't have, but... I do think that, that there are certain gifts that, I mean, I just, I look at people who can draw and, and I have had students strongly 
argue the case that anyone can learn to draw. And Mm. I'm not saying they're wrong, but what I am saying is this. When you are gifted at visual arts, it is hard for you to recognize the the analogy to me is like the blindness that I have. Mm, mm. Like my brain, I cannot look at a thing and then draw it on the page. Mm. I can't. And I do think that there our DNA predisposes us to be able to do some things more easily than others okay. and to do some things better than others. And I think that I have an ear that can hear harmony and can hear rhythm pretty well. I learned that in poetry as an English teacher. Mm-hmm. I can hear the rhythm of poetry. And when I try to teach students <laughs> rhythm, when I try to teach them this old-fashioned word prosody or scanning poetry, it was that was a big shock to me to find that there are students in the room that I they literally cannot hear. Right. They cannot hear the rhythm. Mm-hmm. And they, they cannot pick it out. And we would even try to take it down to the level of, let's just start with how many syllables are in this word. And I remember the boy named James. And I, we'd go around the room and I'd say, how many syllables in your name? Mm-hmm. That's all we started with, how many syllables in your name? And I would say, if your first name has one syllable, pick, a, pick your middle name or your last name. And I got to James and he said, I got this, two syllables. And I said, really? So, Ja-Ames? And for the rest of the year, we called him Ja-Ames. And, oh. and to this day, if I see him, he'll say, Ms. Roberts, it's me, Ja-Ames. And he knows that it's one syllable now. Yeah. But he thought James sounds like two syllables to him. But when, when Carol and I were doing VIP Kid, I could have had a, a James, and he would have said two syllables, and what he heard was, James. Oh. James. Oh, there you go. And they heard that. That's true. Uh, and and so suddenly I'm thinking, oh, it, it's it's part of the language and the way the language is as well. It is. Very interesting. All of our uh, our siblings are musical and have a facility, I would say, for language. Yes. Who are the most skilled in the visual arts? I don't have an answer. Well, mom is the best, is the most skilled in the visual arts. Mom can draw. Mom can, she can paint. And she she hasn't really pursued that. And she would probably look at me like I'm crazy if she heard me say it. But mom has the best skill. Um, I don't, I think... You know, I have developed this theory that penmanship is genetic um, because uh, my theory has been that um, David, our youngest brother, Kent, our oldest brother, and I got our ability, our lack of ability to write well from our dad who had unattractive penmanship, as do I, as does David and Kent. Me. I think you and Kevin... You got your penmanship from mom. Mm. I think it's much more pleasing to the eye. You have much more pleasing lines. And so I've always suspected you and Kevin could come the closest to the visual arts because I associate penmanship with that. And I think you and Kevin and mom have yeah. a different style of drawing and writing. Yeah, but but Kevin's comes much more naturally. Mine was a incredibly forced left-handed 
trying right. to meet the standards and I needed to go very slow. And now my penmanship is, is horrible because uh, I, I go fast. Part one of our four-part interview with Lori Roberts. Carol, did you learn anything new about your sister-in-law? One of the stories I think I enjoyed the best was when she talked about learning how to harmonize with your mom and then going to school and harmonizing with friends and realizing that not everyone did that. <laughs> and that I think that was kind of fun to realized that she could do that and that she would go and and sing with her friends. I think that was great. Yeah, that was really a fun sort of memory. I I think I do remember her and mom singing those songs when I was a kid. As we bring this episode to a close, we'd like to thank our Sacred Community Garden members for their support and remind all of our listeners that as a subscriber, you can soon gain access to bonus material from all of our Dreams and Bones interviews. If you have found us and you're not a member, but you want to know more about Dreams and Bones, go to www.growmeastory.com where you can find out more about practicing the art of creative living with your hosts, Paul and Carol Woolham roberts Join us next Friday for part two of our interview with fellow creative Lori Roberts on your Dreams and Bones podcast.